Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to another Wolverine.com postgame show live here on our YouTube channel. If you're watching after the fact, uh, after Michigan's 52-7 win under Indiana over Indiana uh, in a game that looks a lot like the last few have, to be frank with you. Uh, some different things. We'll discuss them, of course. Anthony Broom here with Ryan Van Bergen as we are Every Saturday after the game goes final in this game, uh, quick general thoughts before we do housekeeping and we'll bring in Ryan here in a sec. This is a, a, maybe not a lesson, but a reminder that football is a 60 minute game. And for as bad as that first quarter was one of the worst quarters that Michigan's played under Jim Harbaugh, certainly one of the worst they played over the last two years. It's a 60 minute game. You have the more talented football team. Sometimes you have to just take a deep breath and keep playing to football. And Michigan went three and out its first two drives on offense. They Indiana was going up and down the field on them on the defensive side of the ball. And from there, Michigan scored on every single possession. And in the end, 52 unanswered points, Ryan first quarter wasn't great, but man, oh man, that's what you want to see. And the ability to quickly put a super uh, disappointing quarter of football behind them. And, impose your will from there there's 
there was an opportunity to get into a Duke in, in a battle with this team. And I feel like the maturity and the veteran experience of this team took over after the first quarter. I think there was just a little, uh, you know, lethargic and slow and, you know, just didn't seem like we were checked into the game. Noon game, cold weather, uh, favored by 33 points again. Not to say that there's ever any excuses to start a game slow, but uh, the recipe was there. And then to see how they handled business, you know, following that goose egg of a first quarter, I feel like that's the team we know. That's the team that we're excited about for this year. And it's not even, uh, I would say, slightly concerning that you come in and sleepwalk in this game. But uh, it was bound to happen, I feel like. And the way this team responded and played three quarters of football following that first quarter was the Michigan team we're excited about this year. Yeah, and listen, I mean, I get it. Rain, cold, wind, all of those things. I mean, they looked, un- I don't know if it's uncomfortable or, or sleepwalking, certainly a way to put it. I mean, I got water in my shoe on the walk to the stadium and I've been uncomfortable all day since then. So I, I understand that. Uh, but yeah, you got, you got to be able to rally back and, and your best players have to be your best players. So uh, we will go through the offensive takeaways, we'll go through defensive takeaways. And as we do every week, we will also discuss uh, or also take your questions and, and discuss those on the show as well. But before we get into it, I want to talk about our pals over at home field apparel. Uh, use promo code Wolverine23 for 15% off any customer's first order with Homefield. Uh, Homefield is a, co- a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. Uh, they have a commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. And, and guys, honestly, I have a, an entire drawer full of this stuff uh, at my house and in my closet. And it is the most comfortable stuff I own, whether it's the t-shirts, whether it's the joggers, the sweatshirts. Uh, it's incredible. They have plenty of Michigan stuff, a, a tremendous uh, wide array of Michigan of uh, Michigan apparel on their site. Uh, other schools as well. If you're an alma mater of one of the uh, you know directional schools, like an Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, they've got you covered there as well. So, uh, you know, they discover, they go back in history, discover some of the unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments from your program's history and put out a thoughtfully designed product. So, like I said, they're tremendous. Uh, the guys over there have been so good to us over the years. So uh, head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Check out everything. Uh, it's getting a little chillier out there now. So uh, get a sweatshirt, get a long sleeve t-shirt, uh, cover yourself up for some of these tailgates and whatnot. So uh, super convenient. Use the promo code Wolverine23 and get 15% off your first order with Homefield Apparel. All right, Ryan, we'll start on offense uh, like we do every week. And again, uh, the first you know, first two drives of the game, Michigan comes out, two, three and outs. It, it looks sloppy. The offensive line wasn't playing well. Um, you know, a couple, I think there were a couple of misfires in there from JJ McCarthy, but uh, to be able to rally back from that and you, know, you run the ball for 163 yards by the time the game is over, JJ was tremendous again, uh, 14 for 17, 222 yards, three touchdowns. No picks. Uh, he continues to make incredible plays off script as well. Uh, there was the rollout on the touchdown to Colston Loveland. Uh, there was obviously, uh, I mean, you go through any game and there's something he's doing with the limited opportunity. I mean, they're not having him wing it like Caleb Williams or Michael Penix or any of those guys. But what he's able to do uh, with, the again, it's another game where he gets pulled in the third quarter too. Um, they're not leaving a whole lot of meat on the bone with him on the field and him leading this offense right now. They're not, and I think that he's 
the playmaker you need, the playmaker you were missing back when we had the Cade McNamara offense that we always kind of talked about after game, that we would have this dominant running game. But if we happen to get off schedule, we got behind the chains. We're at third and long. If McNamara doesn't have his first read available, typically we're punting in those situations. That's where our offense was two years ago. But now you add number nine to the mix. And with the way that we're still able to run the football and the way that I feel like Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, obviously Colston Loveland have developed as pass catchers. Uh, JJ is a guy that I feel like you always have a chance to move the chains or to pick up the first down touchdown. Uh, he's a playmaker. And you put the ball in his hands and good things happen. I think he still has a couple different times where he's a little bit more high risk. We saw the run where he took the big hit, trying to pick up extra yards. We saw some passes that, you know, they're either in the tightest of windows or they're honestly not the best decision, but they get there anyway because he rips it. And um, you can't criticize anything he's doing. He's playing great football. I think his three incompletions, two of them were probably in those first two drives, the first two three and outs. So just money once he has time. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to play against him. I wouldn't bet against him. He can keep your offense on the field and he can put turn red zone visits to touchdowns instead of field goals, which is another thing we used to talk about that we're not, we're having to deal with this year. Yeah. The other thing too, is, you know, for as good as JJ McCarthy is, and I guess the mark of any good quarterback is the type of weapons that develop just by sheer having you as their quarterback, but uh, spread the ball around really nice today. Uh, Tyler Morris, nice game for him. Four catches, 54 yards, obviously Colston Loveland, the 54 yard touchdown. He had three catches for 80 yards. Roman Wilson, nine receiving touchdowns on the year. He continues to be reliable. Uh, Donovan Edwards had a few. AJ Barner had one. Cornelius Johnson uh, had a couple catches on, or uh, those guys had their own uh, one catch each today. Uh, Samaj Morgan had a nice uh, touchdown catch near the end zone. Um, you know, a lot of there were a lot of question marks about this team coming into the year in terms of how do you replace Ronnie Bell and do you have you know do they have enough uh, in terms of skill players to truly be a balanced offense? And I think that. You know, while there, while there hasn't been a go-to guy and, and the touchdowns with Roman Wilson are, are one thing, but every week we're seeing them kind of spread the ball around and take what defenses give them. And um, you could probably look at other skill position groups across the country, and there's a lot more eye candy there, but I like the work that these guys are putting in right now. I think so. I mean, to see the young guys come out and play, because we've been wondering about the receivers, you know, Samaj Morgan, that's an incredible play for him to be able to come out and make. Uh, Derek Moore, we've seen a little bit of, um, I, I feel like he's a guy that we're seeing more and more of, and it's promising to see some receivers starting to emerge and guys that we can go to in the event that Roman Wilson, someone finally figures out a way to cover him or uh, Colson Loveland doesn't happen to be there. I think Donovan Edwards saw a few targets in the passing game. I'm sure we'll talk more about him, but Donovan Edwards saw a few targets and he's a good guy to have there. So um, JJ McCarthy has guys to get the ball to, and he's got creative ways, creative ways to get it there. So uh, th this offense has, so many different ways to hurt you. And as a defensive coordinator and a de defensive unit planning against Michigan, I wish you the best of luck because you just have to try and limit the damage. Run game again was at the forefront of, uh, well, we'll be at the forefront of some of the discussions this week. Donovan Edwards, how about that? Finally gets in the end zone. Uh, they made a concerted effort to do that late in this game, but only nine carries for 20 yards. Uh, Benjamin Hall actually winds up being your leading rusher nine carries for 58 yards on the day. I really liked how he ran late in that game. And we had heard that he was going to get a little extra run this week. And then obviously with Khalil Mullings out with, I believe a hand injury or a wrist injury, I think was the the buzz. Uh, there was some opportunity there. So he played well, 
Blake Corum, another two touchdowns on the day. I think he's up to 11 or 12 now. I believe it's 12, 13 carries, 52 yards. Uh, JJ took a couple sacks, but again, uh, another good day with his legs as well. And again, gosh, uh, you see him take a couple hits on that last drive he was out there. And that's the one, th- the one area of his game right now where you just want that guy to get down and not take as many of those hits. But uh, overall, uh, nothing crazy, nothing to write home about with the, the running, uh, the running backs on Saturday, but um, yeah, 163 yards. You'll take that at the end of the day. You will. And one of the bigger things I think, especially when it comes to the guys that were, running backs, we held onto the ball in a rainy, wet, every excuse in the world to lose a football today. And ball security was paramount for everybody besides JJ, not to pick on him. But uh, that's the one thing if you had to criticize JJ's performance, especially when it came to holding on to the football, he just bordered on the edge of careless. Sometimes I think he rides the line of being relaxed and comfortable, which is what you need to be as a quarterback. And he gets just a little bit careless. And I feel like at times a little loose with the ball in the pocket, ball ball gets knocked away from him uh, a little bit crazy on some of his run plays, trying to pick up extra yards. And he's just still figuring that he's still a young quarterback. Every now and again, I think we look at JJ McCarthy and think this veteran, yeah, he's played a lot of football, but he's still technically young. And, and I think he's still maturing and learning these things. But um, that's the one thing I saw when it came to ball security was one, our running backs did a tremendous job Two, JJ just needs to be just a little bit more secure in some of those situations. Cause in a bigger game, that's going to hurt you worse. Yeah. And you look at the, not the nitpicks, but you, you dive a little deeper to, than just what the score of the game was. I mean, they gave up, Michigan gave up four sacks on the day offensive line. I think maybe, um, I'll say it. Maybe their their most underwhelming performance of the year. I think that's a lot of the reason for the struggles early on. Those guys didn't look all that comfortable out there. Carson Barnhart had a didn't have a great game today. I'm sure the grades on him uh, coming out of it from Pro Football Focus probably won't be super high. Obviously, you know you, you lock in and they figure it out. But offensive line. I mean, we know that this. You know, historically, now this is this was an interesting stat too. This is the first time a Jim Harbaugh Michigan team has beaten Indiana by more than 25 points. And so typically we know that Tom Allen's going to bring a group into this game where they're physical, they're going to throw the kitchen sink at you defensively. They do have some good players on defense, a lot of six-year guys out there as well, uh, a fifth year or two as uh, in addition to that. So, uh, you know, you tip your hat to Indiana. I mean, they came to play. Their defense was flying around early on, but I expected a little bit more out of the Michigan offensive line. And, you know, rain or not, I think that uh, that's a performance that I think they're going to probably go in this week and, and not be all that happy about. I would agree. I think that we thought we, I at least thought that you'd see a little bit more dominance in the run game. I think there was a lot of stalemates at the line of scrimmage, a lot of rush attempts that ended one yard, two yard beyond the line of scrimmage because there's just no movement happening up front. And against an Indiana team that even though you might come in and know they're going to, you're getting their best shot. That's one thing you have to take into at least some consideration, no matter what the team is that Michigan's playing, this is essentially a bowl game or a big 10 championship game, that caliber of game for any opponent that gets to come and play against the number two team in the country. You're going to be on ESPN if you can happen to make it tight. So you're getting their best shot. But still, I would expect Michigan and a two-time Jim Mora offensive line of the year award winning offensive line seven games in to be able to open up some creases consistently, get some first downs on first down with rushing the football. And it's just not there, uh, you know, for whatever reason. And I do think we've talked about the five that have shuffled in. I still think Ladarius Henderson's the right play at left tackle and keeping Carson Barnhart at right tackle is a move. I think these are our five. Um, 
I think the scheme has to help them out a little bit. I saw some of the times on our bigger runs, you saw poles and guys blocking down and changing the gaps. And I feel like that's something that needs to continue to happen. For me, one of the things that I've seen is anytime you see just straight zone action, all the offensive linemen moving in one direction in unison, for whatever reason, we're just not finding room in zone looks. So I think we need to continue to mix up the schemes and the schematics of how we're running the football and keep giving these guys chances. One positive note that I made sure I wanted to share was I think Bredesen at fullback. How, how long has it been since you've seen a fullback that I think is dominant uh, especially in the red zone situation, that dude can throw some blocks. And and when we get in the red zone, I love having him as a lead blocker because uh, I feel like that's one of the things that has been a big advantage for us, specifically in this game, but in a few games that Bredesen is out there leading the way. So there's some good things going on in the run game, but offensive line-wise, you're right, it's not our best performance. Yeah, and they'll clean it up too. And certainly with the rivalry game coming up this week, there's going to be plenty of motivation to – uh, to play your best football in that game, regardless of uh, and shout out to Michigan State, up I believe twenty four to six and blow that lead, uh, twenty one straight points from Rutgers. So uh, Michigan State comes limping into the battle for Paul Bunyan next week. You just they had trouble with the snap. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> uh, not invoking that. I won't invoke that one uh, today. I'll let you have that. But uh, we have a five dollars super chat here from Brian Legier who says. We couldn't run on them last year. Also, Dono is affecting the rush numbers. Everyone want, everyone runs well but him. It seems like every week we take a couple minutes to talk about what's going on with Donovan Edwards, what's ailing Donovan Edwards. And to me, yeah, it was nice to see him get the touchdown. And I know there was some discussion about maybe some frustration about being taken out of the game uh, during that situation late in the first half, but Blake Corum's automatic down there. Uh, he he has such a nose for the end zone or a nose for the um, you know the first down marker that I feel like anytime you need two yards, he's going to get you four. Anytime you need one yard on the goal line, he's going to get you a touchdown. And that's your best guy right there right now. And and I thought there were areas where again every week there's some kind of flash from Donovan Edwards, but we're what we're not seeing consistently is he's not running with a ton of vision. Uh, he's not running through contact at all. And I know that his comp, you know, there are people that were kind of mad that, Oh, you got to get him a touchdown to boost his confidence. I don't, if I'm a coach, I'm not, I'm rewarding those critical snaps to the guys that have come up big consistently in those scenarios. And Blake Corum's got 12 touchdowns this year and Donovan Edwards has one. So that's just kind of where it is right now. He just hasn't had the, uh, touches I thought he'd have, but the touches that he's getting, nothing. If I'm the coach, it's it's just such a – his workload last year you think warrants some type of creditation or validation for what he should be getting this year, but that's just not how football works. He did have some tremendous games late in the season, and I still would not bet against Donovan Edwards having a huge breakout blow-up game for us that we need if Corum happens to be unhealthy or needs to go out for some sort of duration. But – um I, I'm a big fan. I, I, I last year at one point said I thought Donovan Edwards should get at least split reps, if not even start over Corum in some situations. And I still think ability wise, all that's there. But like you said, the vision as I'm watching him and some of the touches he gets today, he's either too deep, like getting too close to the line of scrimmage too fast and not seeing lanes that are bigger and picking too soon. Or he's a step late and the window closes before he can get through it. And then the other thing is on contact. You know, uh, Samaj Morgan ran over a linebacker. He put his nose down. He ran over a linebacker, went and got himself a touchdown. Donovan Edwards had that same linebacker get him by the ankles. 
you know, and it's just, that's the difference. And, and I don't think Donovan Edwards is running through people's face. He's trying to stay healthy. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that that's his mindset, but that's what it looks like is just trying to stay healthy, trying to see if there's a window to get him to the end zone. And if there's not, he's just not fighting for that extra. And, and there's other guys that are, cause there's just so much depth in the running back room and that want the ball. And, uh, I, I hope that he comes on cause I know he can contribute and help this team if he's at his best, but uh, it just doesn't seem like he's been at his best. And I feel like the coaching staff knows it. I feel like he knows it and he's just got to come out of this slump somehow, some way. Yeah. I feel like too, I, the coaching staff can probably do a little bit better job. And we've talked about this before in getting him, you know, get him the ball in scenarios where you know, get him out to the edge, get him, the ball with green, you know, nothing but green grass in front of him and, and get him one of those one-on-ones with somebody instead of, they just kind of keep hurling him at the line of scrimmage. And it, sometimes the space isn't there. Sometimes it is, and he doesn't see it fast enough, but yeah, it's um, they got to find a way to, to, to get him going. I think he's a huge key to these games in November when things are going to be a little bit tighter and you're not going to have that margin for error. So we'll see. We're not going to, again, it, it's just kind of was what it has been. So not, don't really need to spend too much more time on that. But any other thoughts about what you saw on the offensive side of the ball? I mean, outside of that start to the game, it's pretty hard to argue with the results. Uh, scores in every single drive after that. It's uh, you know testament to their ability to lock in. Testament to again, they've uh, this team doesn't panic. They don't flinch. And I think at sometimes they could, if they're guilty of anything, it's maybe pressing a little too hard. But just got to take a deep breath and keep playing football. Yeah, I think another guy that you got to mention if you're talking about our tight ends was uh, the transfer from uh, Indiana that played today. I I have I've got my phone pulled up because I was trying to remember names. I'm so bad with them. Um, But number I believe he's number AJ Barner. AJ Barner. Yeah, I thought he played a really good game, and he's a guy that you put in. You talk about Bredesen on red zone situations. He's almost in on every every possession when we get into the red zone, and that dude is a blocking tight end. He might not even be physically someone that you look at and go, man, he must be a beast in the blocking game, but you watch what he does uh, when someone's lined up across from him, and he dominates his man rep after rep after rep. And uh, I think both tight ends, like Colson Loveland, he had one drop. I think he dropped the very first pass uh, of the game, but other than that, he bailed JJ out a couple different times um, and then got his big touchdown where they stressed and put that corner in conflict. So uh, I think Colston Loveland is a guy that you're going to need to be going. He needs to be ready because if Roman Wilson can't get the job done, I feel like Colston Loveland and Cornelius Johnson are kind of equally the number two option in the passing game. And they just need to continue to get significant reps and convert first downs and get touchdowns. And both of those guys did today. Yeah, want to give the want to give the tight ends their credit. Uh, their blocking has gotten way better from where we saw them to start the year. AJ Barner's been elite there. Uh, Max Bredesen has been elite there in kind of that H back role. And Colston Loveland, like he's a pass catcher first, but I think he's doing well enough there now, and he'll he'll only get better. He's only a sophomore. A uh, dollar ninety nine super chat here from Cameron Stokes, who says Jack Tuttle looks like a good backup. Yeah, that's the other takeaway is that again you don't want to have to break in case of emergency with the quarterback room, but it looks like they found their backup quarterback. And I think that uh, that whole derby that we saw early in the year, I think it's pretty clear that Tuttle's that guy. I don't disagree. I, I've had some concerns. I still, there's a, still a little slight 
I mean, he doesn't bring the dynamic element that J.J. McCarthy brings. It may or may not be essential, you know, at certain times. And that's the only thing that I have is a knock on Tuttle. But he does seem like he understands the offense. The guys seem to trust him. Um, in the event that he needs to come in in a big, big game, I trust him to manage the offense. Do I trust him to make the plays that number nine makes? No. But I also don't know that there's too many kids like number nine out there. Yeah. I mean, the drop off is pretty, pretty significant, but at least from the year now, uh, the way the backup offense has played over the last few weeks, you uh, tip of the cap to them. It looks a lot better than it did early on. And you hope you don't have to kind of dip into that, but uh, you're getting a lot of guys experience too, like Benjamin Hall, like those young wide receivers. So, you know, it kind of, it makes you feel a little warmer inside about what, what the future might look like there. So uh, before we talk about the defense, I want to take care of a little more housekeeping business here and discuss our pals over at Caldera, if I can get the read pulled up. There we go. Fall is here, gentlemen. It's about to get very busy during the holidays. Don't let that stop you from sticking uh, to your habits and being the best version of yourself. That's where our friends at Caldera Lab come in. These guys are the best in skincare right now. With an easy routine, keep your face looking pretty no matter your schedule. So what better gift than clear skin? Join the 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab show your best self and first impression this fall. Plus, it's a great gift. A gift-giving season is right around the corner. Maybe you have some birthdays coming up. Uh, Shout-out to my fellow Scorpios out there. Obviously, uh, Christmas around the corner as well. So uh, let's agree on one thing. You're going to brush your teeth today. Incorporating skincare. that's something that you're going to want to work in there too and uh, work into your routine. So uh, Caldera Lab knows the skincare world heavily, is a heavily female-driven uh industry and has long been the wild wild west for men that's why they're making it simple with three products in the regimen the clean slate the base layer and the good clean slate starts and ends your day the base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and the good is your multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother so uh just for michigan fans we have an exclusive deal for you you're not beating this offer anywhere else um, M-I-C-H-23, that's Mish23 at CalderaLab.com for 20% off your order right now. Get 20% off with promo code Mish23 at CalderaLab.com to make unforgettable first impressions and with the best gift giving you could possibly give this holiday season. So thank you to Caldera Lab. Uh, we also want to squeeze in a shout out for our pal Susie Surma over at Modus Realty. Are you ready to buy a home? This is one of the most, if not expensive, purchases you'll ever make. Having a realtor who listens and cares about your needs is crucial. Susie Surma is the right local expert for you. Susie incre- includes a free buyer's consultation to uncover your home buying needs, maximizing experience and efficiency. Email her today over at Susie, that's S-U-S-I-E, at modusre.com. That's M-O-T-U-S-R-E.com. Uh, yeah, so shout out to Susie Surma. You can contact her as well at 248-767-5633 to get your home buying search underway as soon as possible. Let's slip over the defense now. Again, it was a tale of one quarter compared to three quarters. Uh, Indiana kind of carved up this Michigan uh, defense in the first quarter. I believe they had 141 yards of total offense, and then after that, I think it was 90 the rest of the way. They marched down the field. Obviously, they got into – I still don't think uh, – I'd have to go back and check the drive chart. I don't think Indiana ran a single play inside of the 10-yard line or, or a, a play that held up. I know there was a penalty, a false start penalty, right before the interception early on in this game. But uh, that would be seven opponents in a row that haven't 
done anything inside the 10 against this Michigan offense yet. Haven't even gotten inside the 10 yet. So credit to them there. Uh, early on, when we saw some of those struggles, Ryan, what did you think was going on? I thought we were playing coverage. I think they came out and had a game plan to play both quarterbacks and kind of mess with us a little bit because each quarterback had a different tendency. So depending on who they, was gonna, who they were going to have taking snaps was going to dictate what we were going to do defensively. And uh, I thought we sat back and played some coverage uh, and, and let them get some underneath passes. And, you know, they started to move the ball and credit to them. They were, they made the right decisions and took what we gave them as they moved down the field. And then they, you know, happened to hit on a surprise play where Keon Sab, I think you give him another chance at that play and he doesn't bite on, on that screen because he would realize that it was a backwards pass. And, but it, they got us with a trick play. Give them credit. They they had seen how we rallied to the ball, used our aggressiveness against us and converted it into points. That's what they game plan. But just like the, uh, Jesse Minter, we know and love, he came out with his wet blanket, saw the sparks that they had and started to put those out. And then the turnover started to happen. And once the turnover started to happen, this game got rough. And, you know, Michigan defense, we've talked about it a lot, but I, I still don't think they're getting the respect nationally that they deserve. The Michigan defense, until someone tells me why someone else is better with the depth and the talent that they have on their defense right now, I don't know who's doing it better on the decent defensive side of the ball. And part of it too is, is so much about, again, knowing the schedule is what it is. Like we can't change that. Michigan can't change that. The players aren't responsible for it. The coaching staff wasn't responsible for it. You just have to play the teams that are in front of you. And, and when that's the case, so much of how this team is viewed is in the prism of how it looks. And it seemed like there was a little bit of a gear missing uh, in the non-conference, but over the last few weeks, I mean, this, this defense has found that next level found that next gear. They're getting to the quarterback. They're disrupting plays. Uh, you know, four more sacks on the day. A pair of uh, fum forced fumbles and fumble recoveries. Mike Barrett, Mason Graham there. A couple picks. Keon Saab had one. Uh, Rod Moore had his first one of the year. Someone was uh, asking in the chat earlier, like, what's going on with Rod Moore? I think Rod Moore looks fine. I think Keon Saab looks fine. Because Keon Saab looks, looks good, and then he looks like a sophomore. That's football. Uh, they're going to play those three safeties, though. Uh, they do that a lot, but this defense, I mean, the defensive line is as deep as I've ever seen it. Uh, the linebackers are athletic and fly into the football and gosh, I mean, it's just, uh, it's a, it's been a nightmare for all seven teams they've played so far this year. Um, so yeah, that's uh, more or less how I feel about it. I mean, it's, it speaks for itself. I mean, to come out, you give a 141 yards in that first quarter. I think that they were a little bit caught off guard by, again, there was, you know, some quarterback rotating. There was uh, this Indiana team fired its offensive coordinator a couple weeks ago. It was Rod Carey's first game calling plays there. So not really sure what they were going to get, but I think we knew that Indiana was going to try and drop back and throw the football more because they haven't run the ball well this year. And again, the, the numbers are what they are. 14 for 29, 140 yards, one touchdown, two picks. And the one touchdown was, you know, from a former quarterback in Donovan McCulley on that trick play uh, on the, early on in the game. So job well done. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot of notes here. I mean, this is, this is what it's supposed to look like. Indiana's terrible and Michigan made them look terrible. I think also it's something to be said that I think Jesse Minter got into his bag a little bit. Finally, some of the pressures that we dialed up, even if some of them weren't even pressure, some of them were just like four and five man games. Um, one in one in particular was, I mean, Michael Barrett made what I think should probably be the defensive player of the, the week 
you know, without having seen any other football, but that was the best one. So, but uh, Michael Barrett came through on that twist. That was actually just an overload. It was a four man rush comes through on the twist, gets the sack fumble recovers and all in the same play. That, that's, that doesn't happen. So, um, but you saw some different pressures and zone blitzes. Uh, Kenneth Grant, your boy almost caught one. And, and, you know, that almost had his second pick, I think, or maybe it was his third. But somehow they might like him in coverage. I think that might be a secret down there in Schembechler Hall that Kenneth Grant is a coverage guy, coverage defensive tackle. Um, but it, it, Jesse Minter is starting to show. We talk about these cards that start to come out and, and you show what this defense, what the offense may want to run or some of the different packages or plays that they've schemed. We definitely revealed a little bit, and I like it. I like it. I like the pressures. I like the twists and the changes. And uh, I think not only would you give an Indiana offensive and offensive coordinator issues, but you're going to have a lot of people looking at today's game film and going, all right, guys, we got to add to what the scout team needs to show you because because they do this too. So it was uh, it, from a schematic standpoint, it was pretty exciting to see some of the different things that Jesse Minter pulled out of the bag to uh, thwart what was the first quarter of success, you know, through the rest of the game. Well, Kenneth Grant uh, dropped a gimme interception. So you're off the hands team, sir. Like, can't can't do that. That would have been his second of the year. But, yeah, that's been that's the second week in a row. But I feel like maybe even the third week in a row where we've seen him drop uh, drop the tackles back into coverage. And it's just a it's a weird look. And they're putting these quarterbacks right now in the torture chamber. And then you go, you, you know, you just can't help but look ahead a little bit. You're going to Michigan State next week. Caden Hauser made his first uh, start at Rutgers today. And, I thought played well. Obviously, couldn't couldn't get the win there. I was watching some of that game, but it's going to be a house of horrors for that kid next week because Michigan State hasn't seen anyone as good defensively this year. Uh, they won't see anyone as good as defensively uh, the rest of the year. I mean, this Michigan team is. I mean, on defense, like you said, I, I like I like summing it up that way. I mean, Jesse Minter is starting to. I think the first few weeks were just kind of getting everyone. You know that you want to get those guys. You know, develop that depth and and develop that trust that chemistry but now when you trust those guys to do your job you can kind of could you know add some wrinkles here and there so uh any other uh we've kind of i mean there's not a whole lot to really talk about i feel like we've done this same show at least three weeks in a row four weeks in a row six weeks in a row seven weeks in a row whatever it is now uh any other final thoughts about the performance before we get into questions well one of the things that i saw on the broadcast because i watched the game from home today that i just think is an absolutely insane statistic and unless you played you wouldn't understand the severity or the the drasticness of this statistic but they were saying that defensive line wise it is there's no defensive linemen that are getting more than 32 snaps graded in any of these seven games that have occurred. I can't remember ever as a starter at Michigan. I think I started 38, 39 games. I can't ever remember playing under 50. Even when we won by 50 points or 60 points, we always played 50 snaps. That's just a huge credit to what this staff has been able to do as far as getting guys rolled in and getting them significant game snaps so where people aren't just being totally vacated and the cabinets bare to the transfer portal. You're seeing a lot of other these big programs, I feel like, suffering the consequences of signing you know, multiple five-stars, but they can't get them on the field. They don't rotate them in. They don't get enough time. So the cabinets are bare at Clemson. The cabinets are more bare at Alabama than they've ever been and some of these other powerhouse schools. And Credit to Michigan, Jesse Minter, and that entire staff. There has to be a lot of focus and energy and effort going into getting all these guys significant snaps. And, you know, these guys have to be the freshest any defense has ever been, you know, mid-October. And I can't imagine what difference and how much different I may have felt 
having had half the volume or even less of, of snaps and what that would have done for my game to elevate me, not only just what I'm doing for Michigan, but even what it's going to do for my career, you know, should I get the chance to go into the NFL? You know, the tread on the tires euphemism stands not just for this season, but for guys that are going to try and make that transition to the NFL. And where better to go than Michigan? You're going to be on limited reps. You're going to get significant time. You're not going to get your body broken. And you're going to get as many opportunities as anybody anywhere else in the country. So Michigan has got it going on defensively, not just because there's producing on the field, but because of how many guys are producing. And you should be excited as a Michigan fan uh, about everybody that's on staff. We need to just keep everybody here because this is an amazing thing that we have going on. And it was something that Jesse Minter, I heard talk about in last week's uh, pregame show on the radio uh, when I was driving uh, right before the game is that, you know, when you have these guys who only have to pay, you know, play 30 snaps on Saturday, they stay fresh and then you get to practice them as hard as they can possibly go during the week, which is right now probably the more critical work that's being done uh, for this team and, and developing this team in that depth. So yeah, uh, they do have it firing in all cylinders. I think now we are going to roll right into the Q and a, uh, we have a couple super chats, so we'll start with those, but again, the queue is wide open from there. So uh, be sure to add to that. Uh, we'll start with Cameron Stokes who made a comment a, a little bit ago. He says, shout out to Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson for roasting James Franklin and his comments. RVB probably knows what I'm talking about. So, Ryan, I mean, I didn't see the game broadcast. So what is that in reference to? Yeah, James Franklin supposedly uh, made some comments about Michigan ain't, ain't played nobody, I think was the exact quote. And that might have been Gus Johnson's translation. But uh, at the same time, they are in a battle with UMass, I believe, was the opponent that they were heading into their game as he's criticizing and throwing stones at our house. Uh, but it doesn't even matter. I mean, James Franklin, let's just be honest, James Franklin, for whatever reason, Michigan and Jim Harbaugh has been an Achilles heel. There's been times where that team is probably better than the Michigan team and they come in here and lay an egg or we go there and, and handle them in their place. It, it just hasn't been a hurdle that James Franklin has been able to consistently get over. And there's definitely, he knows it. If we know it, he knows it. So, um, you know, to be honest, I think James Franklin's looking a little bit too far ahead. He's got to get out of Columbus with a win for anything significant to happen for that program. So next weekend, as excited as I am for 7.30 and kicking off in East Lansing, I'm going to be on my couch watching at noon because that is a huge game in the Big Ten. And one of those teams, I don't think is I don't think they're the both those teams are the real deal. I don't think both those teams are top ten programs in the country. That's just my my gut instinct. And I don't know which one's fraudulent, but I think we're going to find out next Saturday. Yeah, huge pecking order game coming up next week as kind of a, the table setter for what is going to be a very no, busy November in the Big Ten East. So, yeah, I heard the comments earlier this week, and, and then some someone came out and said, oh, well, he was talking about Indiana. Okay, sure. But, yeah, whatever. We'll see you in a few weeks, James. Uh, this one's from Mr. Dave uh, for $5 Super Chat, who says, any thoughts on Michigan giving up four sacks? Is it anything to worry about? Uh, in the vacuum of one game, I would say no. But on Saturday, it wasn't wasn't great to see. You don't want to see J.J. McCarthy taking hits against Indiana of all teams. So uh, concern or just a blip on the radar, Ryan? I would say a blip unless it shows up again. 
You know, this is one of those things. One of the times that he had his sack, I think his very first one, it was like a six-man pressure. We only had five to block. We slid the protection. He tries to give a weird jab step and get out. And that's like, you can't do that in an empty set. He knows that. The ball has to be gone. You can't. Or if you decide you're going to make that move, you have to continue with that move. You can't think to circle back. Um, so I would say two of the sacks were J.J. McCarthy mistakes and two of the sacks were offensive line getting beat uh, You know, by a guy, honestly, from Indiana that looked really, really solid. So um, I'm not super concerned. It's just, like I said, his, I want to maintain him being relaxed in the pocket, but I want to make sure we don't ever cross over into that reckless and careless. And sometimes I just feel like he's so relaxed and so Zen that it's like, make sure we're still squeezing the football, please, because you are in the pocket with a rush after you. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe a minute, maybe just a little, little less meditation before the game, a little more, a little less calmness, but uh, no, I, I don't see that as a huge concern. I think those guys, like I said, it was a weird, just kind of a weird day in general. So uh, we'll see what happens. If it happens again next week, maybe we're having a different conversation. But uh, in the vacuum of one game, I don't think it's a huge concern. Uh, from P Maximus says, even though Saab got burned on the trick play, I see him out there more. What's up with Rod Moore? All this All-American talk in the spring. They're going to play three safeties. So both guys are going to be in there. They're going to rotate. When they play two safeties, it's going to continue to rotate as well. Um, like I said earlier, I think that Rod Moore, given you know, just the pick was nice to see. I, I think he looks a little more like his his healthiest version of himself every week since he's come back. So not concerned about that. And I, I like Keon Saab. They're gonna play three safeties and he's gonna take his lumps, but I think long term, I think that's good for him. And I think that Rod Moore still is not at a hundred percent, even on his interception return. I just, as he's running, I just, to me, seeing what he used to be at and where he used to be, I feel like he's probably 90%, which is definitely let's go out and play football. But, um, you know, Keon Saab, he, in his, in his stead has played tremendous football, you know, that trick play people get got on trick plays. It happens, you know, but um, for the most part, he's played very sound football uh, through seven games and uh, there's no drop off. And that's the thing I feel like when we talk about the depth at Michigan, that's the thing that's so special is there is no drop off from position, you know, the starter, if you want to put that in air quotes to the guy that backs him up and that's through all 11 positions. And to be honest, it's even three deep at some of the positions. And so um, I have no issue with how much Saab is playing. I feel like the rotation is fine. I feel like you may see a little bit more Rod more if we get against a past heavy defense or offense. I think you see Rod more and more against Ohio state, but I think you see Saab. I think he's a better run support safety. So you see him more against a Penn state and a Michigan state. So uh, personal decisions are going to be based off of where everybody's strengths and weaknesses are. And I feel like Michigan has a very good beat and sense for who needs to be in against what packages and personnel because of tendencies and all those things are going to factor into who you see on the field. Here's one from Blue who says, Colston Loveland is good, but does he have a little bit of a dropping issue with the first throw to him? Uh, he does, you know, he'll drop one here and there. I think that one, I would I would lay the blame for that one, maybe more on JJ. I think you got to take a little bit of heat off that ball. I think he had Colston regardless. A little bit too much mustard on it. It's rainy, it's windy. Uh, but yeah, if it's in your hands, you got to catch it. And uh, yeah, I mean, He's prone to a case of the dropsies, but they kind of all are from time to time. And I think, yeah, he's also someone that when it matters most, he makes those catches. And not that I'm saying not every catch matters, but on a first and 10, when he's running an out route and knows there's a corner sitting in the flat waiting to take out his knees, he's got a tendency to look over his shoulder before he secures the catch. And, you know, a lot of guys do. But um, 
I feel like when it matters, you know, we had a third and eight or third and nine that he converted and, and got the first down. When it matters, he's a guy that you know can possess the football. So uh, I, he wouldn't be a guy that I'd be worried about making a critical mistake or something like that. But uh, you don't want to see anybody putting the ball on the ground. No, he'll he'll uh, Grant Newsom will get on him for that. But yeah, uh, ball hits you. Uh, the the general rule is hits you in the hands. You better catch it. So. Uh, back to P Maximus with this one. We are still trying to find our second cornerback. We substituted a lot on that side, and I saw a lot of breakdowns and slip, slipping slash missed tackles. What do you make of Michigan's cornerback situation? Outside of Will Johnson, I, I feel like there's still room for someone to kind of take a step forward and and emerge as a more consistent player. Personally, I thought today there was actually is something I noted was that I think that the scale has tipped in Josh Wallace's favor as being the field corner opposite of Will Johnson or just the corner opposite Will Johnson. I feel like today I saw him getting reps and then I saw uh, Keyshawn Harris getting reps. And not that there were a ton of reps for either of them, but the reps that I saw, I feel like Josh Wallace was coming up playing stronger against the run. Uh, I thought that he was in tighter coverage at times. You know, there was one play that uh, – I know for sure that Keyshawn Harris got lost in coverage. It got called back for, I think, the illegal hands to the face. But, you know, against a bigger team, that's a touchdown. That's 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 hitting big. So I, I do think Josh Wallace has proven himself. I think he had a good, another solid outing today. And, you know, I think if Will Johnson continues to play the way he's playing and we get someone who's even serviceable on the other side and the way the safeties are playing, we still have one of the most elite secondaries, definitely in the Big Ten, but potentially in the country. A super chat here from Cameron Stokes for four ninety nine. He says, I still think we are too obvious for the most part in the red zone. Would still like to see us change it up. Did better today, though. Yeah, Michigan was seven for seven down there. Uh, one yard run from Blake Corum, two yard catch from Roman Wilson, another one yard run from Corum, Samaj Morgan, the seven yard touchdown, Donovan Edwards, a two yard rush, uh, Carmelo English, a four yard reception. Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about the red zone play calling because you were seven for seven today, but. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I would always caution against getting a little too cute, though. Think of the opening drive of the TCU game, but uh, they, they handled their business down there. And I don't think today with the type of weather there was, you you get too crazy with it. The one thing I think that was different this year or this game than you would have seen in years past was the fourth and two pass to Roman Wilson. You know, I think that's a play that I think we just came out of a timeout um, and that's a play that typically Jim Harbaugh, you know, he's got his bent over hands on his knees and his teeth are grinding and they're going to run the ball right down the middle. And this is Michigan. And I feel like uh, Indiana saw that coming, thought that that was what was coming. We threw out a different formation with like a bunch, tight bunch formation, run some crossing routes with Roman Wilson. No one's in coverage. I mean, everybody was open. But to me, that's progress. And also, you got can't argue with the numbers. Seven for seven. I don't know how you can shoot 100% but be mad about how you got there. To me, if you're 100%, you've got to just – you know, swallow anything negative you've got to say because we've had issues with putting touchdowns or getting touchdowns in the red zone under under Harbaugh, and at least that's not what's happening. If we're predictable, we're predictable, but we're efficient. Yeah, uh, I like this comment from Dave Witt who says, "Yeah, it is obvious in the red zone. Obvious that there will be a score." So <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of where they're at right now. So yeah, um, we'll see. Uh, someone maybe Michigan's obvious in its approach, but. They're gonna they're gonna challenge teams to stop it. No one has to this point. So, uh, account twenty two. Uh, quick question here: 
Any news on Kalel Mullings injury? Was it a concussion? No, uh, understanding it's a hand slash wrist injury. Not sure about the severity. We had heard that earlier, earlier this week that they were going to work Ben Hall in a little bit more and wasn't really sure what that meant, but obviously there's a, uh, something's going on with Kalel. We'll see what happens uh, this week, but obviously if it's something that's a little concerning, then you've got Michigan state and then a bye next week. So he'll have time to heal that up. If that's something to be concerned about Uh, blue says simply blue. Uh, Do you guys think Donovan Edwards is able to run full speed since his surgery? I don't know if it's just the TV effect, but he looks a lot slower to me. It's hard to say because I haven't seen him out in space really at all. I mean, he's just kind of in these tight areas and, and getting stood up. And uh, yeah, he he the home run, you know, the home run power isn't quite there right now. I haven't seen it. And that's the thing that we've been waiting because we had so many flashes of that late last season is the home run. And part of me thinks that, that might be the issue is looking for the home run, looking for the home run. And it's not there. And, you know, you get swallowed up behind the line of scrimmage or right at the line of scrimmage, but there's a chance that he hasn't recovered fully from his surgery because I haven't seen him, you know, out in stride past 10 yards, you know, a 10 yard gain in any capacity. So uh, there is a chance, but the the thing that I kept thinking about when he was running the ball, especially in that position where he took it all the way down the field. And then they had that exchange with him and Corum and him waving him stay on the sideline, something like that. The way I saw it was that he just, you know, he needs to find the opportunity. And if it's not there, then build the door, like just go through somebody, run through somebody's face. Cause he's a physical specimen. He's not just a track guy that, you know, runs, runs super fast. If he's uninhibited and has a free run to the end zone, this is a guy that we've seen, be physical, break tackles, run through people's faces. And I just think that to me, that's what I want to see from Donovan Edwards. Stop looking for the flashy thing. Stop looking for the big home run hit. Take that football and run into somebody and cause damage. Cause I know you're frustrated. So, uh, you know, that's just me getting up on my soapbox, trying to motivate a kid. But to me, that's, that's what I need to see. And, you know, you might have something who knows he, they wouldn't tell you if he wasn't a hundred percent after surgery, that's for sure. Yeah, we'll see. Um, again, I think there's a lot to that. I think he c- could have scored on the JD's JJ's little flip pass to him. I know he was, I think, a yard or two short, but put your shoulder down or run through someone. I mean, he's that kid from Indiana, Jalen Lucas, I think is his name. He's fast, but he's like 5'6, 170. Like Donovan Edwards is like six foot tall, 200 pounds. Like you're capable of much more than this. So we'll see. Uh, maybe rivalry week is where we see the floodgates bust open here. So I have time for a few more. have another super chat here from Cameron Stokes for 499. This is Anthony off topic, but why has Jaden Davis kept dropping in the rankings? He's playing like a five-star. Yeah. I mean, that's more EJ and and Zach's, uh, you know, area of expertise. The only thing I can say about, you know, my understanding of why the rankings are what they are is just probably close to a little more, close to his ceiling than some of those other guys are um, obviously putting up big numbers. You like to see that, but uh, yeah, not as mobile as, as you, as maybe you'd hope. I think he's maybe you had to compare him to Michigan's two recent quarterbacks, maybe a little more Cade McNamara than JJ McCarthy, though. I think that Jaden has a lot more arm talent and we'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, I mean, the people that are in charge of that, I, I can't, I can't speak to why the rankings are what they are, but uh, industry rankings, still a top 100 guy, still a guy that I think in time uh, can lead this Michigan offense and is a good fit for what they like to do. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, 
there's not really a whole lot for me to, to add to that conversation. That's more of a, an EJ and Zach question. So uh, let's see. Let's take two more, one from Blue and then one from Mr. Dave. Says, is this an NFL farm team? Because I feel like it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of – I see a lot of NFL – future NFL players out there right now, Brian. Yeah, and <laughs> – it might be the team that sends the most guys in the draft ever, you know, so that should be your answer right there. There's speculation that this team is going to send 19, 20, 21 guys to the draft. It's only 22 guys on offense and on defense. So if they send both platoons to the NFL, to me, that qualifies them as an NFL team. Uh, but it, it is, it's, and to me, that's kind of what's this is turning into with NIL kind of as this takes more shape. You know, with guys, I love that the power's transferring to the players and guys like Caleb Williams are saying, I might not come out this year. I make more money in college and I want to pick where I go. You know, I, I, these colleges and universities are going to have that opportunity to hold guys because of NIL money and, and build teams that uh, have players getting paid that want to be there and want to win for the university. So uh, I think Michigan is well on its way to, if not, they're, they're not already there, being one of the the uh, pipelines direct to the NFL. And I mean, we've known that that's the case. I mean, Jim and John Harbaugh are obviously close and he's got so many connections with the NFL without being the same caliber as Georgia and Alabama over the past few years, we've still matched them or beat them in terms of putting guys into the NFL. And now we're at that same caliber as those teams. And I think we have even more guys that not only are playing, but are in the, in the ranks waiting at Michigan for their opportunity that'll play in the NFL. There's guys on the sideline that didn't play today that will play in the NFL. That's how deep we are. And, um, it's exciting. It's exciting. And then the other thing is to get them to somehow play like a team and not like individuals and be selfless. Because if you were just biding your time and waiting for the NFL, there's a chance you have 11 individuals out there. So credit to Jim Harbaugh and the staff for getting these guys to play as a unit and as a team and buy into the 2023 Michigan football is all they're focused on right now. And I don't know if he'll play in the NFL or not, but also shout out to Greg Tarr was the only guy that traveled last week that didn't play and by golly, they got him into today's game. So shout out to Greg Tarr. Uh, finally, some justice for Mr. Tarr. Uh, last one here for Mr. Dave. I like ending on a, on a light note here. How much playing time will Jack Tuttle get versus Ohio State? Any bold predictions there, Ryan? Nothing yet. It's not my job to give anybody bulletin material. <laughs> and uh, I feel like I've gotten my mouth running just a little bit when it comes to the boys down south and what I think their program is this year. But like I said, I think a lot is going to be exposed next week. And uh, I personally, unless something changes drastic, I think Penn State is going to give Ohio State all they can handle in Columbus. And I think that Ohio State, you know, Ryan Day, you want to pump your chest and say you're a tough team when you can run the ball against a 10-man Notre Dame defense two plays in a row. But uh, I think Penn State's built a little bit different, and I think that they're going to get tested in the trenches, especially Penn State's offense versus Ohio State's defense. And if they can't stand up to Penn State's offense, I don't think Penn State's offensive line is as good as Michigan's offensive line. I think it's a close battle, but I don't think they're as good. So if Ohio State has a long day next Saturday, then Jack Tuttle, uh, I think, will – get an opportunity to uh, to play against the, the Buckeyes and the backups will get a chance to play. And, uh, you know, who knows? It might be becoming a familiar thing in the Ryan Day era. The human victory cigars that they are. Uh, yeah, a lot of big games coming up. A big game next week, a chance for Ryan Day to puff out his chest and yell about how great his Dodge Stratus is. So with that being said, I think it's time to get out of here. Be sure to like and subscribe for more from the Wolverine.com. We'll be back next week doing 
Another late night post. I think we're going to have two night games in a row here coming up. So two late night uh, post game shows here, but it's ball. We'll talk it uh, at nine o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, whatever it is, we'll be here. So uh, thanks to Ryan Van Bergen. Thanks to producer Megan behind the scenes. Be sure to hit that like button uh, on your way out. Or if you're watching after the fact, it takes two seconds, helps us out greatly. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Michigan wins 52 to seven over Indiana. It's Paul Bunyan week. Got to go to East Lansing and make sure Paul stays home and comes back to Ann Arbor. So thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if you're first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.